You're listening to the Advancing Your Photography podcast. I'm your host, Mark Silver. I connect you with remarkable photographers who've mastered their craft, sharing their insight and skills so you can put them right to use. And hello, you guys, from wherever you are around the world. I'm Mark Silver. I'm a photographer and an author in Carmel, California. And I am really happy to bring you this show. Today's show is sponsored by our friends at Bay Photo. Now, listen, if you've read my books, you know a big part of the whole cycle of photography is sharing your work out to the world. Don't just leave it on your phone or in your computer. Work with Bay Photo. They'll make prints for you in any form you want, books, coffee mugs, prints on your wall, cards, etc. I've worked with them for years. They give you great customer service and you'll get a 25% discount for your first order. Take advantage of that. Support them. Support yourself. They're awesome. Okay, now I am so stoked. And in California, that means we are completely excited beyond words. It's a surfer term. I'm so stoked to bring our guest, Scott Kelby. And he's someone that we should all bow down to and give thanks every time we open Photoshop or Lightroom. Because frankly, I don't know where I'd be without his books teaching me how to use those tools. And, you know, that goes for most photographers, if not all photographers that I know. But he's also an amazing travel photographer. You can see his some of his stuff on Instagram right there. He's also the CEO of Kelby One, where they've trained millions and millions of us how to process our photos. And hey, on top of that, he's just a really, really nice guy with a personal philosophy. You never go wrong by doing the right thing. God, I am so happy to have you with us on Advancing Your Photography. Well, thank you so much, Mark. There's no way I could ever live up to that intro, though. You, You know that. Well, we'll try. We'll try to make it work. I want to echo something you said about Bay Photo. Yeah. So they're the best. They are. They are amazing. I, I love them. I'm a huge fan. I, I've got a bunch of Bay Photo prints hanging right now, and their stuff is just off the charts. So I'm giving you a super 100% backup on them being a top, top quality lab. Absolutely. Great people, too. They really are. You know, I've been with them since they had their first tiny little lab, and now they've got this enormous lab. They've just expanded so fast. It's amazing. Wow. But Good but for they them. Kept They're up. good people. They really are. Well, Scott, listen, we're going to have some fun because I want to know everything about your tricks. We don't have time to to really delve into all of them, but we're going to get into some of your key ones in a minute. But first of all, what is it that really drives you when it comes to photography? Well, I, I'm a storyteller. So I, I, I love being able to tell my story in more ways than just the spoken word. I, I, I write books like you, right? So we're, yeah. we're both authors, uh, which I love. I love to write. I, I'm literally sending a book off to press today. So Ooh. it is literally uploading. The, I, so I just finished another one. I What's love the, the title? written word. Uh, it is actually, it is a massive update of my best-selling book. It's not just my best-selling book, the best-selling book in the history of digital photography. Whoa. It's simply called the Digital Photography Book. That's its name. And it literally is the best selling. It sold millions of copies. It's in what, 36 different languages. It's 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 it was the biggest thing I've ever done. 
Amazing. And so it's, but it's seven years outdated. So I'm, I'm with a different publisher now, uh, that is, uh, photography focused. Okay. And, uh, I, I went back and, you know, added all the things that I've learned in the last seven years. Uh, you know, things have changed and ideas have yeah. changed and, and things and p- my pictures of tape are, that I take are different. And I, I just went and redid the whole thing, uh, from stop to bottom. Well, congratulations. I know what a project that is. So that's so, very hard work. I love the written word and I I love, you know, the spoken word like we're doing here. But as a storyteller, photography just expands that story one more step. Yeah. And I like shooting casual video. Like I'll shoot I'll shoot video on my iPhone, but I don't shoot like pro level video. Right. Even even though this is being broadcast on a Canon C100 cinema (laughs) camera, (laughs) a nice webcam. It's only because that's what we had. Uh, so anyway, uh, you just we, couldn't down our streaming studios home. I just grabbed a C100. So it's go. not what I would normally use. But uh, so photography allows me to tell my story in a different way. And that's what drives it. It's it, as a storyteller. I love having another way to tell the story. And then you can bring the still image together with the spoken or written story, right? Yeah. Either in my books or like we're doing here on, on, on a, a video, you get to bring all that together, the still and the video and the spoken and all. So it's just, it's, it's a way of expanding how you communicate with people in an artistic way. And I, I just love it. It's so much fun. I'm with you. I, you know, when I write a book and I'm sure you do the same thing, I do either, I either start with an image and start writing about it, or I write something and I think what image can match this, you know, and I go through my Lightroom library until I find something. Yeah, I do the same thing. And sometimes it's image based and sometimes it's idea based. And then you have to go find an image to help you illustrate the point. Yeah, exactly. Same thing. It's a great way to to put a book together. I'm so I'm, you know, and that's the beauty of being a photographer and an author. You get to work with both together. Okay, now let's delve into your secrets here. So don't worry, we're not going that far. Okay, good. You know what? These guys don't know something about you. Scott, Uh I'm not going to embarrass him, but Scott is an amazing musician, you guys. I mean, when you go to his studio, you'll see a wall of guitars. And I I asked him, hey, you know, give me a sample of something you've done. And he just rips out. What was it that you were? I don't remember which one you were demonstrating, but it was one of the hair bands from the 80s, I think, as I recall. Oh, it was probably a good either Def Leppard or Bon Jovi song. Yeah, I think Bon Jovi, actually. This is something you don't know about Scott. He is a super accomplished musician. He plays every one of the instruments, right? Sadly, On his yes. recordings. <laughs> yeah. no, it's amazing. No chance to get good at any one of them because I play them all. <laughs> you could have fooled me. Anyway, I thought I was listening to Bon Jovi in your office. That was pretty cool. Thank you. But into photography, what are some of the key things you turn to every time you pick up a camera or even before you pick one up? Well, I think one of the things that I that when I'm when I grab my camera, I, I want to have some kind of an intent. I know so many photographers who will say to me, well, I'm going to go out shooting and I'm just going to see what I get. Yeah. Well, that's basically your photography is based on luck. Hope I get lucky today and and walking out and you just try to get something. Yeah. And I, luck is not a great strategy for success. Now, 
Don't get me wrong. I love luck. And when luck comes my way, I am happy to take it. If I get a lucky shot, I don't tell everybody, oh, it's just a lucky shot. Like a lot of photographers do that, Mark. You've noticed. Oh, yeah. You'll go, wow, that's really beautiful. And they go, oh, it's just lucky. I go, no, it's not lucky. It's finally getting even. Finally getting even for all the times that you got up at dawn and it rained. That's right. Or you went to do a sunset shoot and there wasn't a single cloud in the sky. Or right. you went out. And I remember, Mark, literally down the street from your house. My buddy and I were out in California. We made a special trip out to Carmel. Uh, we stayed in Carmel, and we we planned to get up at dawn. We we scoped out the beach that we wanted the night before. We knew exactly where we're going. We got there, and it was so foggy. We never even opened the trunk to get our gear out. We just sat there at the car. We couldn't even see the beach, Mark. We could not see past the edge of the road. Well, and so, on behalf of all of us in Carmel, I want to apologize for <laughs> our temperamental weather. It can be any. Listen, the other day I woke up. This is how temperamental it is. The light was just unbelievable. It was lighting up the trees. The sky was dark. And then on top of that, there was a huge rainbow. Wow. I went, I thought, this is too good for my iPhone. I ran to get a camera, came back, gone. It was rainy. It was dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. that can happen. So, so that's why when I do get a shot that would be considered lucky, I'm like, there's been so many times where I was unlucky. This is just catching up and getting even. So yeah. I always tell photographers, don't disclaim it when you got a lucky shot. We all get lucky shots and we all have lots of shots that we really planned for uh, and that went wrong. So I, I think when I pick up a camera, Mark, what I'm trying to figure out is what do I want to do and how am I going to make it? Yeah. So rather than trying to, you know, just get lucky, I'll try to plan like and maybe traveling to someplace. So that's a big thing that I do. I may be traveling to a particular location. And, and if I can, I'm going to stay there as long as I can until I get the shot that I went for. So I think having that intent and having an idea of this is what I want to accomplish. And this is this is how far I'm willing to go to get there. That includes, I always say, invest in your own photography. Next time you want to buy some gear, say, is that gear really going to get me a photo? or would a plane ticket to a particular location, yeah. flying to, to Spain or going to Utah or whatever it is that you're into, like flying to that area and buying a hotel and getting up early and all the things that, that you do, would, is that likely to get you a, like the picture of a lifetime or is buying a new lens going to get you the picture of a lifetime? So I think it's that intent. Yeah. Is, is I think that's one of the big things that I think of when I'm when I'm ready to do, uh, you know, when I'm ready to do a shot, I really think through how am I going to make this happen? And and I try to make it happen. It doesn't always work, as you know. Absolutely. That's the well, intent. you know, that that point about luck, Ansel Adams put it really well. He took the Louis Pasteur quote, chance favors the prepared mind. And he said, yeah. chance favors the prepared photographer. You know, two or three of his most iconic shots were were on a moment's notice. The moon over Half Dome, he was driving to the Iwani Hotel for happy hour. And he looked out and there it was. He grabbed his Hasselblad and got the shot. It wasn't like he sat there for 12 hours waiting for the moon to come up. It just was in the right spot. But he was prepared. He had the camera in his car, right? Yes, that's the thing. No iPhone. Why don't we, you know, speaking of un incredible images and amazing places, you sent me over a few and I want to just talk about these to begin with. This is Mount St. Michel, right? Yes. And I'm sharing it, but you can't see it, but I'll just describe it. So, well, you know the image, obviously. It looks I can like share it. You want me to share it? 
Oh, you, why don't we do it that way? That might be yeah, cool. Yeah, give me a split then second. You, I can I can actually share it. I put a folder together here for you. Let me okay. Let's let me go pull it up here. End. I think I can share it. Give and me two I'll just secs. Switch over. Yeah. But but for the guys, this is Mount Saint Michelle. It looks like just into the blue hour, right? I mean, after sunset. Yep. Or it's just yeah. right there. And we've got an incredible reflection in the water. There's so many positive, incredible things going on. And we are sharing right to your Lightroom. Tell me about this image, how you shot it, what focal length. I've got all these questions, but just give us the goods here. All right. So um, a friend of mine lives in Paris and he's in, my wife and I are going to spend a few days with him. And I tell him, hey, look, you know, I, I, I want to go to Mont Saint-Michel. Now, he's a photographer, a very accomplished, famous photographer. And I said, I want to go to Mont Saint-Michel. And he goes, really? Me too. I've never been. Like you've lived in France your whole life. This is four hours from you and you've never been. He's like, no, I've never been. So my, my wife and I, his wife, and we all pile in a car. They pick us up at, at the airport. Absolutely pouring rain, Mark, pouring rain like wow. you've never seen, like the end of the earth kind of rain. Yeah. So I, as our trip, you know, this is a vacation with my wife, so I don't want to make it a five-day shooting adventure, you know. So I, I have to kind of go. We have yeah. one night at Mont Saint-Michel. We drive for four hours from Paris Charles de Gaulle Airport to Mont Saint-Michel, the town, and it rains the entire time. And I'm like, that's it. I've lost it. We Now, we got a hotel room in Mont Saint-Michel. So I'm thinking, well, maybe tomorrow morning we can get up. But it's really a sunset shoot. But maybe in the morning, I don't know. Yeah. We get there. We pull in the parking lot. And it's still raining. It's not as raining as badly, but it's raining. And I look up. And my friend goes, look up there. And there's a little break in the clouds. And I said, it's about a 20, 25-minute walk out to this. It's an island with a monastery. Yes. And, and I go, should we walk out there? Should we take our cameras and go? And we're like, yeah, we've come all this way. Even if we just get to see it, we don't take any pictures. By the time we walked out there, Mark, it looked like the shot that you see. Unbelievable. The clouds broke. It's unbelievable. The color's great. Now, there's a weird thing about uh, Mont Saint-Michel that we'd heard about and we didn't really believe. But when we get to the little uh, road that leads, we're right there at the, at the base of this little island. There's a sign that says, danger quicksand. <laughs> really? Now, we have to, you have to walk out there to get this shot. This yeah. shot, the classic Mont Saint-Michel shot is, is taken from out there. And so I look at my wife and my friend who is uh, Serge Remelie. Do you, you know Serge? Of course. My so I'm with Serge buddy. and his wife. You're with Serge. Well, no wonder. And he'd never been there. I'm anyway, going to have to razz him about that. So we, I look at, we, we both, Serge and I look at our wives and we go, it's not real quicksand. Like, come on. Yeah. And our wives are like, you're not going out there. And luckily, ready? Here comes the luck. We look out there and there's some other stupid photographer already out there. And we Stuck go, in the quicksand? Well, he hasn't died. He's still alive. <laughs> so we're like, yeah, look, it's we're fine. Let's just do this. So anyway, we, we start walking out there. And here's what we learned. It's quicksand. Yeah. <laughs> so if you stop, even for like five seconds, you literally start sinking down into the sand. If if you were by yourself, you'd be in trouble. Yeah. And about a month before we got there, a woman went out there by herself. And they say that when the tide comes in, it comes racing in like a horse. She got stuck in the mud and died. Ooh. So it's, it is, I would it's never real... go there without at least a friend or two to pull you out of the mud. So we went out there and we realized as long as you keep moving the whole time, like you never stop. 
Like you put down your tripod and you keep walking around and your tripod starts to slowly sink into the mud too. Then you come back and you hit yourself timer is what we, I didn't have okay. my cable release. So I hit myself timer. It's going, dee, 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 dee. I'm, I'm walking around like I'm walking on hot coals because one time when I stopped and looked through, I literally started sinking in, down and, and Sarah pulled me out. Amazing. Now, I'm going to ask. It's not a fast. You don't go down fast. It's not like those movies, you know, but yeah. You go down. I mean, you literally, you wind up just. So uh, he did pull me out and, and that's how we got the shot. But the whole thing was, it was a, an experience in luck in that four hours I've given up on the shoot. We still walked in the, in the sprinkling rain all the way out there. And we just got lucky. And to get that sky, you know, for travel and landscape, yeah. you know, sky is king, right? There was a French photographer. I wish I could tell you his name, but he had a very famous quote that said, the sky is the, is the, is the key to the landscape. It really is. And, and so we don't we want to see blue sky either. I mean, just plain blue sky as opposed to these clouds it completely changes the dimensions of it and the, and the, the whole oh, yeah. Feeling of three dimensionality. Yeah, so we got we got very lucky, I, I think for sure with that. So so that's my story on that one, and and the story is about is about not giving up, really. Yeah, uh, and it's about getting lucky because <laughs> we definitely did. Well, I'm glad Serge was with you, and you guys kept each other from sinking into the mud. I'm oh, gonna yeah. have to in the quicksand. Well, now tell me some of the specifics. What what uh, focal length was this? Like 28 or? Uh, no, no. This is, a, I believe this is a 14. 14, so I, okay. I'm either on a 14 or a 16 to 35 at 16. So I was at my wife's. I don't see my specs here. Uh, so uh, I don't have the specs in this image. Yeah. But uh, I'm going to guess. I'm really about going super wide. Yeah. So I'm going to, it's either a 16 or a 14. Okay. I'm guessing and, 14. And how long do you think the exposure was just as a guess? Uh, not very long, probably uh, maybe a quarter of a second or okay. eight. You know, it's it's not it's not a very long exposure. That's why you don't see any streaking in the clouds or anything. There was a right. reasonable amount of light there, so it's it's uh, it wasn't as bad as you'd think. And did you tweak the white balance, or is this, are we looking at what the sky looked like? Oh no, we tweaked the white balance. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It was already. I just made it more intense. It was already pinkish, and and you know, it's it's sunset, but. Uh, yeah, if I can make it look a little more like it looked when I was standing there, I'm going to do it for sure. And if it looks a little better, Mark, I'm okay with that. Hey, I know. Hey, it's about storytelling, right? It's yeah. about it's about the feeling that you had and what you want to convey. Absolutely. Okay, you want to show us another one? Sure. Uh, I've got another one here. Let me and move let me back to your real screen. Quick. Yeah, well, let's do this one. All right. So, so this shot was oh, taken yeah. uh, in the Forbidden City, and of course, I shouldn't have been there. Okay. So the Forbidden City, obviously, in Beijing, you can imagine how crowded it is. On, on a regular day, there's tour buses and there's people everywhere. There's just so, so, so many people. They're all and we're on a tour them. ourselves. My how wife and I, we're, we're in a tour bus, three tour buses all together. And I, I'm, I'm walking past and I see this, this man in the wheelchair with his family. So his family's with him. And, uh, you know, it's like a husband and wife and a little girl and him. And, and the light's great on him and all this. And, but there's all these people everywhere. So I tell my wife, honey, you go ahead. I'm just going to lean against this wall. And so literally I, I'm leaning against that door, that, that red door on the right. I'm leaning yeah. against it. And I'm aimed right at him. I have it all framed up just the way I want it. But there's people everywhere. And I said, I'm just going to wait it out. So I'm sitting there and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. You know what it is, Mark? I don't need him to be alone for a minute. 
I need him to be alone for one two thousandths of a second, right? I just need <laughs> people think I'm never going to get this all this free time. No, I just need to take a shot. I'm already framed up. Everything's ready to go. So I'm waiting and I'm waiting and, and there's just so many people, Mark. I can't get anybody there. Yeah. And then my phone rings and it's my wife. And she says, honey, we're, we're getting on the buses. And I said, okay, honey, I'll be there in just a minute. I just, I got to get this shot. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And my phone rings again. And she says, honey, everybody's on the bus. You're the last one. And you're not here yet. You're still in the Forbidden City. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, honey, I'll be there in a minute. And uh, his little, I'm guessing it's his granddaughter, runs over and she says something. And the parents turn and leave. And Mark, I had a split second. And bang, I, I, I got the shot. And it's, it's not an incredibly amazing shot. But when I look at it, I think it is a... It's a study of patience, which is something that's hard for me and it's hard for a lot of photographers to do is to just sit there and say, I think something might happen or in this case, something might not happen. There's no people. And and you just got to sit there and wait sometimes. Like sometimes you you just got to have patience. And so I I got the shot. I'm happy with it. I think it's it's just kind of a wonderful moment. And all the colors work, even his chairs red in the back. I mean, it all kind of works together. And but I, I think it's one of those things where. It's another part of photography that is hard for a lot of us. If the shot doesn't appear, we move we move on. You know, you know Jay Mazel, of course. Yeah. Jay has a wonderful thing where he he talks about the importance of slowing down. He's like, yeah. wait, just wait. Wait for things to happen. If you're moving from place to place to place to place because you think something great's gonna happen around the corner, you're never gonna have the opportunity for something to develop in front of you. So that's the that's the whole little lesson there. That is a good lesson. You know, Minor White put it this way. He said, keep your mind empty like a sheet of film and allow the photograph to come to you. Just exactly what you're yeah, saying. Yes. Who's to say when it's going to come to you? It might, it might be a minute. It might be an hour. It might be, you know, Ansel Adams waited nine hours for the clouds to line up the way he wanted them. And you have to be willing to invest that time into your photograph. I don't know if I have nine hours in me. Nine to, hours is, you know, okay, maybe not, but maybe <laughs> but set it up and go do something and come back. That's why he's Ansel Adams, right? Because exactly. he was the guy that would do nine hours. He would All do right. it. The last one I have for you is uh, obviously, obviously very recognizable. This is uh, Tampa, Florida. Yeah, no, exactly. Is- <laughs> I thought so. It looks kind of like Bush right. Gardens. Or- my wife takes me there as a surprise, like a surprise thing for my uh, for my birthday. She surprises me and says, we're going to India and you're finally going to get to shoot the Taj Mahal. And I know it's been shot to death. And but she's like, I know you want to see it. So let's go. So we go there in the, in the afternoon. The first day we're going to stay in, in Agra, where this is for a few days. And it's so packed. It's as packed as the Forbidden City. Thousands Another and Forbidden thousands City. of people. And I tell you what, nothing kills a a travel shot like tourists, right? No so kidding. they have no right to be there, Mark. We're the only ones allowed there, darn tourists. Anyway, so well, it looks like you I, got I rid don't of really them. get any good pictures and it's foggy and everything anyway. So I tell my wife, honey, I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to come back. You want to come with me? And she goes, you go get that picture, honey. I'll stay here in the hotel and have room service. So, so I get up in the morning and I go and I figure, well, there's going to be hundreds of people that are going to be first in the door. You know how many people were waiting to get in, Mark? Like four. Why? That's another photographer from the U.S. and two British guys and me. And there may have been five, maybe a fifth person, but they were all like U.S. Western people waiting to go. Now, I had been there the day before and I knew that the fountains that are in front of the Taj Mahal were empty. Like there just was no water, maybe an inch of water. For whatever reason, there just was no water and it wasn't a very good shot. But the other photographers did not know. (laughs) So when I came in, I 
went right past the fountains and went all the way down straight to the Taj itself. And I walk up the stairs and Mark, I am there by myself Unbelievable. Me and the Taj Mahal for 25 minutes. There's nobody there. So I'm up there and now this is the side of the Taj Mahal. So I didn't know this, but the Taj Mahal looks the same on every side. It is a mausoleum. So there is a mosque on the left. There's a mosque on the right. And then you have the Taj Mahal in the middle. So I I'm up there where you see like right up there up top. And all of a sudden I hear some women crying. All right. And I'm like, you know, as soon as you, you know, you're like, what what if something's wrong? And I see two women. And and so I I leave this. Now I've shot it to death, Mark. So I just thought I don't want to be a hero here. (laughs) So I shot it to death and I hear them. I said, you know what? I better go check. There's nobody here. So I go down, I leave and I come all the way across that big area of tile that you see in that picture. Right. Yeah. So I get all the way down there. And as I get closer, I can hear them. And I realize when I've left the shoot, Mark, and come all the way, I mean, it's a long way. Yeah. Number one, they're not crying. They're laughing. It's two Japanese tourists dressed as Indian women with a whole Indian outfits, the red dot on their head, the whole nine yards. And they are taking pictures and selfies and laughing hysterically at each other. So (laughs) I get out there and I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you serious? Like, and I didn't say anything to them. They look at me and they're like, yeah, they're like, "Uh oh, we're busted. And so I sit down beside them. They're 20 feet from me. I splay my legs out. I get my camera really, really low. And I'm taking shots of this. And it's nice and it's empty. You never see this empty. There's always just people everywhere. And one of the women gets up and she walks out there. You can see her in the frame. So that's what we're looking at there. Yeah. So that's her and her and her sorry in the whole nine yards. But it's really Japanese tourist, right? But you don't know that. She's faced away and she starts to pray. I'm like, awesome. So I set up my camera, I get, I get the shot and I'm like, wow, I got this, these, you know, two crazy girls. And now I've got this spiritual moment. So I get back and I'm looking, I'm really excited. And I decide to zoom in. Right. And Mark ready. I zoom in and she's not praying. She's holding her iPhone and shooting. Oh, but, but when you're backed out like this, you can't tell. So this is the only view of the shot that I show. We definitely can't tell she's holding up an iPhone, but that's the modern world for you. Yep. The lesson in this one really is, and this is in any city, wherever you go, literally get up early. Yeah. If you want to get rid of tourists, there's some Photoshop stuff you can do. And sometimes it works and sometimes it's a pain, but you could do a lot of Photoshopping in some cases. But if you just get up early, you're going to have, you know, wet cement. You're not going to have anybody. And there, there are times where I was sure that there was going to be a big crowd out there. You know, Mark, I do hands-on photography workshops around the world. I take my students to the Trocadero in Paris to shoot sunrise at the Eiffel Tower. And I got to figure it's going to be packed, even in the morning. Mark, there was nobody there but me and my students. They're all hungover, you know, in Paris. They're all hungover from the French wine. From the French wine. They're not getting up early. In Rome, we got up, went to the Vatican. I thought, we're going to be jockeying for space. Nobody there but, but our students. Just us and our students in a place that in an hour we'll have a thousand people there. We did the same thing at the, in, the Pantheon in Rome. Yeah, yeah. All by ourselves, nobody there. We're shooting long exposures. We're also nobody there. Just beautiful. Isn't so, that the most magical tip right there? Just get up early. Yeah. Just set your alarm. Yeah. Get up early. Yeah. And and the light's pretty, right? You're going to be yeah. there at sunrise. There's nobody on the streets. There's so many benefits. And then, Mark, when you're done, you go to breakfast. Exactly. It you just got the gets whole... better and better. 
you got the whole day and then you can get the, you know, the evening light, but you have the whole middle of the day. No, it's an incredible tip. There's something not just about the light. It's it. You're right. It's the lack of people, the busyness, all that stuff that's quieted down. Yeah. You feel like you have the world to yourself. I tend yeah. to get up early anyway, and, and that's why I do, because I like that feeling. Amazing. Well, can we take a look at some of your Lightroom tips, tricks? Yes. Things? Yes, you may. Okay. You ready? Let's do this. I'm ready. I got you your right. screen ready to share right now. Okay. So this is the, the dark hedges. So this is a place I wanted to shoot for many years, and then it was featured on Game of Thrones. <laughs> And it became really it popular. Looks like it. And this street is filled with Instagrammers. So now when you go there, but we went there at dawn and there was only like six or eight. And okay. when we left, there was like 50. And then an hour later, there's tour buses. So is this uh, in, it's the UK? in Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland. Okay. And you just, you park in the parking lot and you walk and it says this way to the dark hedges and, and there you go. So uh, the trick I want to show you in Lightroom is this. If you're in Lightroom's uh, develop module, which is, I mean, excuse me, the uh, library module where we sort our images and stuff, yeah. right? Over here, you have a metadata panel on the right. And it tells you all kinds of stuff about your camera. It tells you where it was taken and uh, the exposure and the focal length and your yeah. ISO and all this stuff, right? Well, at the very bottom, if you have GPS installed in your camera, uh -huh. right, your camera has GPS, there will be the actual GPS data. And does this look funky? You can see this okay, right? There we go. Yep. There yeah. it is. So there's the GPS data. But that's not the interesting thing. I mean, you expect that if your camera has GPS, yeah. somewhere is going to be the GPS thing. That's not the interesting thing, Mark. The interesting thing is right over here. Oh, I know what button. you're going to show. Yes. That little area, arrow. So if you click that arrow, what it does is it takes you over – to the map module and shows you the exact place you were standing when you took the shot. So amazing? anytime you have GPS, Lightroom automatically puts that on the world map. Isn't that, that is something? Cool, that is a cool thing. And you can also this find is the a start. I'm, I'm leading up to the cool trick. Yeah, I'm, I was going to jump the gun, but I'm going to shut up. But but if, for example, there's a search up here and you go to Paris and it'll take you to Paris and you, you can zoom in, you know, via satellite. Yeah. And then that little dot will show you where Paris is. And there, if there's photos that you've taken there, they would be there. Right. Now, I've been to Paris. I did a workshop and I've taken pictures. They're not on here. You know why? You didn't have GPS then, right? I didn't have GPS in that camera. So this is what the trick yeah. is leading to. Mark, may I call you Mark? I wish you would. All right. So that's what this is leading to. So, for example, here I am shooting a football game. All right. This is uh, Falcons and the Tampa Bay Bucks. I'm shooting for the Falcons. Was that in Paris Falcons. too? This is not in Paris. This is I'm a different place. But, you know, I could see them. There will be games in Paris one day. There's already in London. You know, it's coming. I know. We had, the, we had the NFL in London. It was kind of weird. Yeah, it is weird. But it's cool. All yeah. right. So anyway, we have all these shots. So here's my trick. None of these shots have GPS data. If you look in the GPS field, of course, there's, they're blank because yeah. my Canon 1DX does not have built-in GPS. Okay. So here's the trick, Mark. All you got to do is this. Before you leave, wherever you are, like I'm leaving, it's the end of the day. Just take a picture with your iPhone. Your iPhone's got GPS. Ooh. So here's my, my buddy, Rob. He works for the Falcons. And if you notice, this is an iPhone. These are just iPhone photos, right? Okay. Just like side snapshot stuff. But if you look over here, it has GPS data, right? 
Yeah. So let's go to the map. And there is uh, Tampa Stadium. It's called Raymond James Stadium. We, they paid for the sponsorship, so let's give them some love. All right. And it shows the number two. So there are two shots taken there that have that GPS data. Here's the trick. Now that you do have a photo that's on the map, you can select all the other photos, drag and drop them to that little spot. Unbelievable. And, and now they will all have the GPS data embedded into them. And if you want to see your photos, you can click on it and you can just toggle. These are the photos that were taken at that location. Now they all do have GPS data embedded into the photo. Boom. I am loving that. That's a tip. And I never knew that. You gave me a tip. I didn't know. I thought, you know, I was going to sit here and go, oh, I already know that. I know that. I do not know that. And that's pretty amazing. Well, I'm glad. I, anytime I can teach you anything, Mark, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm a good learner. <laughs> I'm a good learner. I want to be. I'm here to learn. That was cool. And the value of that, too. You know, listen, half the battle is having your stuff organized. I was almost going to use another S word. But if you don't have your images, I talk to people and they don't they have a messy image library. You can't access your stuff that way. And this is just a whole new way of accessing. The other cool is cool thing is facial recognition. I don't know if you're going to get into that, but Lightroom will find those faces, right? Yeah. You know what, though, Mark? I got to be honest with you. It's not great. It's not as good as it should be. Because you know what it'll do? Yeah. Like if you'll say, all right, find faces for me. It, it'll it'll show you statues and paintings and then like a frog. And it'll say, is this Cindy? And you're like, no. Then it'll show a car. Because a car has two headlights. If you shoot a car straight on, it's always going to go, is this Cindy? Is this Cindy? <laughs> is if, if you have a box of chicken on a, in a biscuit, uh, crackers, That's... it'll take the chicken on the front and go, is this Cindy? And you're like... No, you realize at some point this still needs a little bit of work. <laughs> it, it's they're still working on that artificial intelligence. Not quite there they, yet. They Google are. Photos, no, it, it'll get a way, lot of the shots of Cindy, but it'll also bring you a whole bunch. And it's the funniest thing. So, Mark, if you can't sleep one night and you're just like, I'm in kind of a grumpy mood and I can't sleep, fire up Photoshop and just hit the little face button and watch the results, you will be laughing your butt off because it's going to show you things that it thinks are Cindy that you are going to be like, you got to be kidding me. You know, it really it always, is a blast. It always takes me to the statue of David. I, I don't know if that's a mistake or there. It really is matching me up. What it's, do you think? You're very much. I, I, I would make that mistake myself, Mark. Very, he, very easy to do. He didn't have he didn't have this hat, though. OK, <laughs> Michelangelo, eat your heart out. So. Um, Okay, let's see another one. I'm all, all right. I'm, I'm in the educational mode. I'm listening. I'm watching. Right. I'm learning. Okay, let's take go. a look at. at uh, this is so much fun. I don't think I'm going to stop the show. I hope you don't have anything else to do today. Uh, not until four o'clock. At oh, four o'clock, okay. we got a couple hours then. I, I got some stuff. I got the grid today. My my own photography show at four. o'clock. I know, and I this is such You're a thrill to be twice been now, right? Three times. Three, three times. times. You're the man. I mean, hey, I'm going to I'm going to go for the world's record. You know, it's like being on Saturday Night Live. These guys who've been hosting it, they they keep track yeah, of it. Coat next time, we got to give you a coat. When you get to five times, you get the five timer. I coat. want the coat. Okay. Yeah. All, All right, right. You got I, two more times. I got two more times. I'm going for it. All right. So let, let's uh, we'll we got another image here. All right. Well, there's a number of issues here, Mark. <laughs> First is our white balance is trash, right? It's my own fault, but my white balance is, is really messy. It's it's that's easy to fix, right? There is 
you can move the sliders, right? Yeah. It looks, it's very blue, like her skin's bluish, yeah. her hair's bluish. The background that I shot her on, which is gray, by the way, <laughs> is bluish. So, okay. I mean, you could mess with this stuff. But here's what, I want to give you a mini tip, and then we're going to move on to a bigger tip. So the mini Did, tip is Let this. me just interrupt here. How did that white balance, you just set it wrong on your camera? What did you set I it I just for? set it wrong on my camera, yeah. Okay. You don't set it I'm for- i the studio. I probably left it, Mark, because I'm the lazy photographer, probably yeah. left it on auto white balance. Yeah, I was going to say. Okay. And so, you know, it's or, or I left it on whatever it was the last cloudy time I was outside shooting, like, you know, cloudy or daylight or fluorescent or who knows what. Yeah. Okay. And so anyway, it, it wound up, it wound up definitely too blue. So my, my first tip would be an easy way to, you know, to, to get your white balance correct is to use the white balance eyedropper tool. I love it. You're just supposed to click it on something that's a neutral color, right? Yeah. Um, but, but that's not the tip. That's just, that's what I use. My main tool for correcting color is this eyedropper. You just click it around your photo and it, Sets the white balance, and I'm looking for something that's kind of neutral. So, you know, a tan, a beige, a gray, something like that. Okay. But the tip is this. If you were to make the left side panels in Lightroom open, at the top you see the navigator. So it's a small picture of her, You're and it right. gives you a live preview as you mm. move around in that little box of what the white balance would look like if you clicked in that spot. So it's a white balance preview. Yeah. So if, if you're, you can just kind of move around and go, well, this looks pretty good right there. Click and your white balance is set. Bingo. Where did you click it? Just right there. Okay. I clicked it in her hair. I think more realistically, yeah. probably the background, but actually her hair actually looked pretty good. It actually worked. And you can kind of click around and try different places. And if you click in the wrong place, you know, you you'll know. funky color. Yeah. <laughs> you'll know instantly. But yeah. so you do get a preview up in that left corner. So my question to you, Mark, is if Adobe has created the technology to show you the preview up in the left corner. Yeah. Why can't they just do it live on the picture? That's a good question. You have why to actually click to have it change on the picture. But the preview in the left corner changes. Makes you stop and think, doesn't it? I don't have an answer to that. You know what's cool too, Scott, is Premiere Pro has brought in all these features, not all of them, but many of the features that we have in Lightroom. Because that used to be a bear for video uh, color correcting, but now they give you a thermometer just like that. Yeah. So they've made it easy. They've actually taken the pain out of color correction in video and made it more like something you do in Lightroom or Photoshop, which why not? It's their it's their application. Right. Sure. They can share between programs. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the tip I was really leading up to, which is really an actual good tip. The other one's kind of, oh, that's nice to know. And it's kind of handy. But this next one is really uh, handy. So if you want to, you're doing retouching and you want to remove a blemish or something, right? So let's yeah. go over her forehead here. And yeah, there's some little blemishes and stuff that maybe you want to get rid of. So there is a spot removal tool. It is not like the spot removal tool in Photoshop. The one in Photoshop is actually really good. Yeah. <laughs> the one in Lightroom is crap. Uh -huh. And I don't know why it's so bad, but it is. It's really, really bad. So okay. if you were to, to, to click on it, here, let's make it smaller. And you see a blemish that you want to get rid of. Let me just shrink the brush down. Yeah, that's Apparently a Apparently had that brush really large. So let's wow. get that brush way down in size. So you found something. Here's make it a little bigger. All right. Found something you want to get rid of and you click on it and it chooses what it thinks is an appropriate place. That's right. To, to get rid of that. It, it chooses what it thinks is the appropriate spot. So you have the first circle, which is over where the blemish was. Yeah. And then the second circle, for some reason, it chose the top of her, her eyebrow. I don't think that would be a good choice. Nope. Uh, you can click and move it. You can say, no, no, Lightroom, bad job. Maybe something yeah. there. So at least the skin's going in the right direction. 
Yeah. Right. Because the skin on your eyelids, right? So the skin on your eyelids is going horizontally, but the skin right there on the bridge of your nose is going vertically. Interesting. But it chose to sample from the wrong skin, which is typical of this crappy tool. Ooh. But I have a, I have help and hope. Show me. I am ignorant. Is this is weird? You'll go in here and you'll get rid of some stuff, and you're like, oh, that looks okay, and that looks okay, and and you'll you'll wind up, you know, getting rid of a lot of stuff, and it works okay. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, what it'll do is it'll literally sample and and throw her teeth. I'm <laughs> it not. It goes joking. crazy. It, Why is that? It, it does it all the time. It so I was doing a class and it her, her eye. Oh, yeah, that looks good. That's a good one. Yeah, well, not her full eye. It was kind of like that, just like a little bit of eye. Because this would actually make this look pretty <laughs> a good. A third uh-huh. eye. Anyway, so we're, we're here's back the anyway. trick. This is all leading up to, Mark. And I know it's been a long and winding road. Well, I want to hear it. Here we go. So Lightroom picks the spot. And 25 or maybe 20% of the time, it will pick the wrong spot. Okay. Here's what you do. You just hit the slash key on your keyboard. So you click and it chooses a spot and you go, no, I don't like that. If you choose slash, it'll try other spots. I never knew that, Scott. I just do it manually. I had no idea there was a way to. Yeah. Just hit slash a couple of times. It'll move to other areas and it actually does a reasonable job. That is. It may take you hitting slash a few times. But again, you know, listen, when I first. And I'm sure you were the same way. I got Lightroom when it was in a beta form. There was no manual. Yeah. And it was like, how do you how do you work your way? What does this thing do even? And you came along and, you know, their manual didn't exist. And then the first manual they wrote wasn't much help. I mean, it was a little bit. I still have a little tiny skinny. Remember that for Lightroom? Oh, I do. When did you write your first book on Lightroom? Was it around? I wrote it while it was still in beta. Okay, which so was you, a huge, huge mistake. I had to update it and create PDFs and updates for it three times and then redo it again when it launched. I never did that again. It was a horrible because it was a year beta. And, you know, I was really into it and excited. And I kind of helped with the early development stuff, not the hard stuff, just the UI stuff. Because, you know, when I first saw it, it was gray, light gray, like Acrobat. I remember that. And I remember meeting meeting with the Lightroom team out in California, and I said, guys, you're telling me this is going to be the, the program of the future, but it looks like Acrobat. It looks like nothing about it says, cool, why don't you have a black interface? Why isn't it cool? Why isn't it? This is new and all. Yeah. And they were like, well, you know, we think it, it fits with the other. We argued, we argued. Well, then I wound up doing a Photoshop World Conference in Tokyo, and Kevin Connor, who was in charge of Photoshop at that time, he were having lunch together, and he goes, by the way, we're changing the interface to black. Well, you he, he, come on. <laughs> and they like, listen to you. I wasn't trying to win. I was just like, I was really there. There, You gave me all this hype about how this is built from the ground up for photographers. And it, you open it up and it looks like a spreadsheet. And I'm like. Not the right look. That's not what we're new. looking for. And not then when cool they launched enough. it, I don't I want to take all the credit for it. I was just probably one of many voices, but I was a really cranky voice about it. Well, that's okay. You saved us being cranky. Well, here's a question. How do you properly manage Lightroom catalogs? I'm not sure what the problem is, but maybe you could just give a little quick overview of how you use. Sure. The the real secret to happiness in in Lightroom is is literally for for Lightroom Classic users is just to have one catalog. Yeah. There shouldn't be any managing catalogs. You you have one catalog. Even Adobe will tell you just use one catalog. Now, The reason we have multiple catalogs was way back 12 years ago, 
if you had a catalog, it could only hold so many pictures. Right. And it would get full and it would become unusable and you had to create a new catalog. Well, they many years ago fixed that and now they have users that have over 6 million images in one catalog. So the secret is pick whatever your best catalog is, whatever your catalog that you have that you love is, and put take all your other catalogs and put it into that one catalog. Here's how you do that. So in Lightroom, you go under the file menu and you go choose right here, import from another catalog, right? right? Go and then just go on your drive and go find wherever that there you keep your catalogs, click on it, and it's it'll say LR Cat at the end. That's how you know. Yeah. Hit choose and it will it will bring that catalog into your main catalog. And bingo, so go choose whichever catalog you have. You probably have one that you like. Like this is my main one, but then I have six others. Bring them all together, and then your management problems go away. Now, what if you're thinking to yourself, I don't have one I really like. I have no catalog. That is my best. They're all kind of a mess because that's a very common thing that I hear. Then start from scratch. Here, do this. Go on. Just start the, a whole new catalog and import everything yeah. into it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Go and create a brand new catalog. Go into the file menu, say new catalog, and, it, and you just get an empty nothing. And then you do the same thing. Then you go and choose import from another catalog, bring all your other catalogs in. You're starting from scratch and everything's clean. Once you do that, all of your managing your catalogs goes away. There is no managing catalogs. You have a catalog. All your photos are there. Your life is easier. Uh, backing up is easy. Yeah. It's just one catalog. It's just so, so much better. It'll give you a happy Lightroom life. And, you know, if you do want to split your photos up, let's say, like, I have a, a you know, I have a large drive that I have my photos on and I have personal work right in a, in one section of the drive and i have the studio work but it all goes to the same catalog so yeah. i can just flick between the two sure how would you transfer to lightroom load to a desktop then import or import directly from the camera to lightroom what i recommend people do because people have a people get lost in the importing process it is where people mess up mm. the most what i would do is this to make your life really easy and it's and it's going to sound really simplistic but it works like a charm Take the images on your camera from your new Sony, drag them onto your external hard drive, wherever you keep your, I hope you keep them on external hard drive like Mark and I, and, yeah. but, but drag them directly onto your external hard drive, wherever you want to keep them. So for example, for me, if I, if I took a travel photo, you know, let's say I went to Cuba, I would take a folder of images. I would put them in my travel photo folder on my hard drive, my external hard drive, and I would name it Cuba. <laughs> so okay. it goes inside my travel folder. Once you have that done, you know exactly where your photos are. If you were not using Lightroom or you were, I met you on a plane and I said, hey, where are your photos from Cuba? You'd go, oh, they're on my external hard drive in my travel folder. So you know where they are. Yeah, they're all set. Lightroom's not even a part of it yet. Yeah. Now, once you've done that, step one, drag the folder of images or, you know, copy them into a folder on your external hard drive and give it a real name that you'll really remember. Step one. Step two, take that folder and drag it onto the Lightroom icon. It will bring up the import. You want Lightroom to manage these photos? Hit import and you're done. You know exactly where your photos are. You know where everything is. There's no questions about it. Yeah. There's no, well, where is it going? Did I copy it to the right place? You know where your photos are. And now they're in Lightroom and Lightroom knows where they are. That's how I would just keep that whole process super simple. That is a good tip. Is there any routine maintenance I should do with my catalog, occasionally compacting my Outlook mailbox? Is there anything like that for the Lightroom database? 
you can optimize your database, but it, it really, it doesn't really make it smaller. Well, I guess it does because it throws away junk that's unnecessary, but it does do make it do run that? faster. Uh, and you, that's un- also under that? the file menu. Go to. I haven't done that in ages. I, I there it is. Optimized catalog, <laughs> right at the top. Here, let's take a look. Okay. Yeah, right there. Optimized catalog, right at the top under file menu, okay. and it does. It'll. If you haven't optimized your drive in six months or a year, I and better it, do it, that. Anytime it feels a little sluggish, go hit optimize catalog, and it'll it'll even tell you. It'll bring up. If your catalog is large, has been running slowly, optimize may improve in performance. It's going to take several minutes. And while it's doing it, you can't be playing around in Lightroom. But I'd give that a shot. That uh, also, if, you're, good, if your I catalog gets that. really big, one of the reasons might be that you're storing a lot of high-resolution previews in there. So go under your – like, you know how you bring in images, it draws thumbnails? Well, if it draws the full-size one-to-one thumbnail, they're, they're large. Go under your Lightroom preferences – and go to, let's see where it's at. It always takes me a minute to find it. But there is a checkbox that says, how long should I keep these big previews? And I can right. figure out where it's at. Because, you know, these? you use it once and you don't go mess with it. Yeah. But it's literally how many days should I keep big giant previews? what do you previews? set it at once we find it? How long do you set it for? Well, you can set it for 30 days or you can set – I set it for a very short amount. I figure if I haven't been back to it in 30 days, you can dump it. <laughs> so you're not hanging – you're not clogging up your catalog with a bunch of – Yeah, it might be under catalog settings. Yes, there we go. It's not okay. under preferences. It's under okay. catalog settings. So you can have it do one day, one a week after 30 days or never. You know, you can set it to like a week. If you haven't yeah. gone back to a collection in a week – you might have to redraw your previews. It'll do it really quick. Who cares? But that will keep your your preview. Also, you can choose your different preview sizes. Like if you keep really large ones, your file, your catalog is going to be larger. Yeah. If you have an auto pick, for mine, it's gonna it's gonna make nineteen hundred by twenty decent size, not as big as it could Just be. But 20, see what right? this is set at. It yeah. might be set at 2880 pixels, and it's going to make your catalog bigger. I've over-explained that answer. Let's move on. That's Sorry. good. Well, well, listen. He asked an easy question. I just bombarded him. I could do this all day, but, you know, I'm going to ask you one last question, Scott. Okay, Marco. You know what? My uncle who taught me photography, you see that Rolleiflex up there? Oh, you yeah. can Yeah, you can see it. Sure, so that Rolleiflex was given to me by my uncle Sambo, who was a World War II Top Gun pilot and also a photographer. And wow. he called me Marco. So thank you for joining that club. Marco. Marco. But Scott, what would be your final tip that you'd like to leave these guys with just to help them advance their photography? I think as photographers, we tend to overthink everything. Yeah. We're really focused on things like noise. Like noise is a big thing that people get really wrapped up in. And can I tell you something? Nobody notices noise but other photographers. Isn't that true? While the public is looking for a great image, an arresting image, a fantastic one that captures your attention, we're all worried about the noise. And, you know, Mark, Sports Illustrated magazine, right? If you go to pick up a copy of Sports Illustrated on the first six or eight pages is a section called Leading Off. And in there you will see the greatest sports pictures in the history of sports photography. 
So imagine a bunch of guys, Mark, right? Yeah. Uh, after the after the Sunday game, provided we have games. Yeah. After the Sunday game, when we have open them, it yeah. up and you see this incredible picture, like it's really tied in, and the guy's face mask, he's got his hand up in his mask, and he's pulling a mask, and the sweat's going, and the other guy's reaching in, and there's just this mess, and they're all looking at like, look at this picture, and the guy goes, but look at the noise, I can't enjoy this. <laughs> So when you put it in that context, the it's rest of so the world true. is looking for that amazing picture. And the photographer is like, I can't get past the noise. You will see the noisiest pictures you've ever seen in that leading off. Every Not every one of them, but you'll see some ones that you're like, man, that's a lot of noise. But what a great picture. So yeah. the photographer in me wants to go after the technical stuff. The number one most question I get asked as at, at my seminars, my photography seminars is about exposure. What exposure mode do you use? What metering mode do you use? When should I use spot metering? All the crap. Do you realize that everything you're asking about is simply how do I make my photo not too dark or not too bright? Right. Really? That's what that's, that's it. Look, if, if you're, if you take a picture on the back of your camera and you see it's a little too dark, make it a little brighter and take it again. And if you completely fall down and you completely mess up and you open it up on your computer and you realize that the photo is a little too dark, you can move a slider one sixteenth of an inch and yes. fix it. Yeah. Stop worrying about the stuff that doesn't matter. Boy, that is all that good tech advice. crap doesn't matter. You're never going to get a phone call where someone says, you know what? I want to hire a photographer. My main goal is to find one that'll make photos that aren't too bright or aren't too dark. That football <laughs> is never going to come. So spending your time mastering whether your photos are too bright or too dark is an absolute waste of time. Boy, It's about capturing a wonderful moment, a beautiful place, a moment in time. It's about what the rest of the world wants to see. While we're focused on noise and we're focused on exposure, the rest of the world just wants to see a really cool shot. So my advice to photographers would be stop messing with the technical stuff. Stop buying new lenses. The lenses that you have take great photos. If the only camera that you have is a phone, it still takes great photos. Yeah. Great. Some of the greatest photos you'll ever see have been taken with a phone. It's not the camera and it's not the lens. It's not the gear. And it's certainly not the settings. The rest of the world just wants to see a great picture. Go make great pictures. There you that, go. When we eliminate all that stuff, it leaves one thing left or one person left, and that's you as the photographer. You and your creativity and your eye. That's what it's all about. Well, Scott, yep. I am even more stoked than when we began this. <laughs> I'm gonna have you're gonna have to come back again. I'm sorry. There's too many more questions, but we're gonna take a breather right now. But Thank you for your generosity. You're always super generous. You share your wisdom with the world. These are things we need to know. I felt like that last tip you were looking inside my head. <laughs> I, I have paused before I upload something to Instagram. And I go, oh, look at the noise. Everybody's going to notice that. I mean, it, you're right. Nobody's going to notice that, especially when they're looking on their phone. Come oh, on, yeah. lighten up. Come on. <laughs> anyway. Again, thank you. We're going to look out for your book. We'll put a link. When is it actually going to hit the, uh, like Amazon? Unfortunately, the printing process and getting to Amazon's warehouse, it's going to be about eight weeks. Okay. Which, which kills me, but it's, it's, it is what it is. Well, as so soon I would as you say, have it available, you let me know and we'll let all these guys yeah, know. Couple months. Okay. I'm going to pre-order as soon as it goes live on Amazon. But Scott, again, 
Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the Thank grid. I've got to get on it. Be on your show, Mark. It's my honor. Listen, I've got to arrange to be on there two more times so I get the, the jacket. I want so, you to get the coat. I want to be. Okay. I want to put the coat on you like they do at the Masters. Eric, schedule me up, dude. <laughs> Thanks again, Scott. Thanks, Take care. buddy. Thanks to all your your viewers. Appreciate the opportunity. Awesome. Thanks for joining us today on Advancing Your Photography. If there's anything you wanted to see from today's episode, you can find the video version of this show on our YouTube channel, Advancing Your Photography. You can also find the show notes on our website, silverstudios.com forward slash podcast. Please rate and leave a review, subscribe, and be sure to share with your friends. And until next time, remember to get out and capture your own images of life.